Shalom, and thank you for listening at BethEmmanuel.org. If you enjoy the teachings from Beth Emanuel, share the links with your friends. Like us on Facebook and tell your friends about the things you are learning at Beth Emanuel. Help us grow the message. The theme for this weekend's Shabbaton Youth and Young Adult Shabbaton event comes under the title, My Faith, My Choice. What does that mean? We are using the term faith to mean religious convictions. Faith, in this sense, is best understood as allegiance and loyalty. Faith in Yeshua means allegiance to him as king. Our faith refers to our allegiance and loyalty to our spiritual, religious beliefs and practices. Here's the idea behind the slogan, My Faith, My Choice. The idea is that no one can force you to be a disciple of Yeshua or even part of this religion. It's your choice. And to state the obvious, most people choose not to be. Even most disciples of Yeshua choose not to follow the faith. Yeshua uses a parable about a farmer sowing seed on different types of soil to teach that three out of four of his disciples are likely to fall away. So you have to decide which of the four types of soil in the parable that you are going to be. The hard-packed ground where Yeshua's teaching takes no root. The stony ground where Yeshua's teaching springs up early but does not endure. The thistles and weeds where Yeshua's teaching is choked out by other things. Or the good soil where the seed produces an abundant harvest. It's your choice. Your faith, your choice. In another parable, Yeshua says that there are two types of people among his disciples, wheat and weeds. They look the same until the harvest comes. So you have a choice. Am I wheat or am I a weed? In yet another parable, he warns people to count the cost before committing to a life of discipleship. He compares it to a man who starts to build a tower but doesn't have enough money to finish the job. The tower stands unfinished as a monument to his failure and lack of forethought. He compares it to a king who must assess his military strength before going to war with another king, lest he be defeated on the battlefield. Likewise, Yeshua tells us to count the cost before choosing to become disciples. I hope this is not the case, but the odds are good that some of you will ultimately choose to leave this faith, like one of the three types of poor soil. Some of you might have never chosen this faith at all. You might just happen to be here. You might look like a disciple without ever having really chosen that path, like the weeds among the wheat. Some of you will count the cost and decide that the cost is too steep. If you choose to follow a different path than the path of Messianic Judaism and faith in Yeshua, it makes you no less God's creature, no less loved by the Creator, no less precious to Him, and no less a human being deserving of love and dignity from all of us. It really comes down to your choice. We don't pressure people or coerce them into discipleship because that makes for poor disciples and plants lots of weeds among the wheat. 
The idea of the theme for the Shabbaton, My Faith, My Choice, is to provide you with a little information to help you count the cost, to help guide your choice, not to pressure you. Instead, like the Lord says through the prophet Isaiah, Come, let us reason together. You may have noticed that the slogan, My Faith, My Choice, sounds similar to the slogan used by women campaigning against the pro-life movement. The similar-sounding pro-choice slogan says, My body, my choice. Both of these slogans sound correct on a surface level. Your religious faith is your choice. In this country, No one should force anyone else to believe a particular dogma or observe a particular religion. In this country, we are free to practice whatever religion we like. Judaism, Christianity, Protestantism, Islam, Buddhism, to name a few. Or, if you prefer, you are free to be completely secular, irreligious, agnostic, or even atheist. This country was founded on the concept of freedom of religion, which only means that there is no state religion endorsed by the government or forced upon the citizens. It's one of the many great things about this country for which I am thankful. No one can tell you what religion you have to follow. It's my faith, my choice. Likewise, it's popularly assumed a pregnant girl should have the right to keep her baby or discard it. In this country, we have laws protecting a woman's right to choose. No one should be able to tell her that, just because she has conceived a human life in her womb, she must carry that child to term. It's her choice. That seems self-evident. My body, my choice. Right? Wrong. Despite the slogan, my body, my choice, there's something else at stake other than a woman's personal preferences. What is the other thing at stake? Another human body. A human being that has been conceived and whose life is completely dependent upon the woman who has conceived him or her. I'm talking about the baby. So it's actually not true to say, My body, my choice. A more honest slogan would be, My baby, my choice. It might surprise you to learn that, even as far back as the days of the apostles, women underwent abortions. In the Roman world, a woman could visit the pharmacologist who would prepare a toxic poison which the pregnant woman would ingest to induce a miscarriage. It didn't always work. But... No problem. People in those days also practiced what you might call an extremely late-term abortion by simply killing the child after it was born. That's called infanticide, usually done by strangling or drowning the baby. Not everyone had the stomach for that, so it was far more common to practice something called exposure. A woman who did not want to keep a child simply brought it outside and left it there under the sky, exposed to the elements. This was the ordinary way to do family planning in the ancient world. For example, maybe you wanted a son instead of another daughter, but you gave birth to a girl. No problem. Leave the baby girl outside. She'll be dead by morning, 
Then you can try again for a son. The Romans would have had no objection to the slogan, my baby, my choice, because the baby didn't get a choice. When the Greeks and the Romans and other ancient cultures encountered Jews and Jewish ideas, they found it shocking that the Jews prohibited such practices. Roman writers from the days of the apostles described Jews as misanthropists. That's a big word. Misanthropist means someone who hates human beings. The elite social critics of the day called the Jews haters of human beings, or perhaps just haters for short, because they prohibited infanticide and they forbade exposing infants. To prohibit those common practices seemed downright hateful to the Romans. But it would be wrong to suppose that the Romans were a completely immoral society. On the contrary, the Roman world had a highly developed sense of right and wrong, a highly developed sense of morality. It was a different morality than that of the Jews. The Roman world was the peak of human civilization, culture, education, philosophical erudition, and religious tolerance. Roman society was law-abiding and well-ordered. Moral virtues and ethics were highly valued, but the morals were not the same as those that dictated the Jews. For example, the Romans saw nothing indecent about gladiatorial fights and spectacles. To them, it was just innocent fun and entertainment to watch slaves forced to hack each other apart. They did not consider it necessarily immoral. Distasteful, perhaps, but not immoral. This goes to show you, I hope, that popular morality is not necessarily moral. And real morality requires us to measure human behavior with a standard that transcends human opinion. So don't ever tell yourself, it must be okay, everyone else is doing it. In the Roman era, people believed that killing newborn babies was okay because everyone else was doing it. That is, until they met the Jews. The Jews weren't doing it. And that troubled them. The Romans wanted everyone to agree that the parents of a newborn had the personal right to choose to strangle the baby or leave it outside to die if they wanted. The very wrongness of it, which must be felt in the bones and felt in the soul, required public consensus to make it seem right. The Jews denied them that consensus. That is why they labeled the Jews as immoral and haters of humanity. This is similar to how the rest of the world views disciples of Yeshua today, as haters. Why? Because we have a different standard of morality, a different standard of what is right and what is wrong than the rest of the world. Not only do we believe that it's wrong to kill babies, we believe that there are all sorts of things which are also wrong to do, despite being completely acceptable in the larger society around us. For example, we have extremely rigid sexual boundaries. This is where the narrow path of following the master becomes very narrow indeed. In the biblical worldview, sexual activity outside of a monogamous union between a man and his wife is wrong for disciples. To put it simply, the Bible teaches that, for us, any sex outside of marriage is wrong, and that, for us as disciples, marriage is limited to the union of male 
and female. The world around us today disagrees on all of these points, and they find it utterly alarming that anyone today would hold such old-fashioned ideas. According to the sexual values of the secular world, the slogan should be, My sexual preferences, my choice. In fact, the secular world is no longer comfortable admitting that there is such a thing as male and female. The slogan has become, My gender, my choice. How much less that our sexual impulses should be limited to a monogamous heterosexual marriage. To most people today, Disciples of Yeshua who hold on to these old-fashioned ideas about sexuality appear to be coming from a totally different universe. And speaking of counting the cost of discipleship, our binary heterosexual monogamous sexual values are some of the more expensive items. Deciding to be a follower of Yeshua has a huge disadvantage of limiting the number of sexual partners down to only one, your spouse. It also limits the number of your gods down to only one. The Romans would have been quite comfortable with the slogan, My faith, my choice. Rome was polytheistic. You could choose to worship whatever gods you preferred, or you could adopt a philosophical agnosticism, so long as you went through the motions of worshiping the Roman gods. Rome was an empire, encompassing many different peoples with many different religions. To keep the peace, they practiced a broad religious tolerance. They even made laws making it totally legal for Jews to practice their religion. But they didn't like the Jewish religion. The My Faith, My Choice slogan of the Roman world collided with Jewish monotheism. They considered the Jews to be ignorant, bigoted, and intolerant for worshiping only one God. What was worse... The Jews did not even have an idol of their so-called invisible God, and they prohibited idol worship of any form. It was shocking to the rest of the world. That's why the Romans referred to Judaism as atheism. From the perspective of the average person living in the days of the apostles, Jews and Gentile disciples of Yeshua were both misanthropists and atheists, haters of human beings and haters of the gods. The very worst kind of people. That's part of counting the cost. So you should ask yourself, in that situation, who in their right mind would choose to become a Yeshua follower, adopt the Jewish religion, and be henceforth labeled a misanthropist and an atheist? What's worse, if you weren't Jewish, Roman law didn't allow you to practice Judaism. You didn't get any exemptions for being Jewish because you weren't Jewish. So, you could be persecuted, arrested, and even executed for being a Gentile Yeshua follower. That's part of counting the cost. What is worse, being a Yeshua follower requires radical allegiance, even to the point of being willing to lay down one's life for the sake of loyalty loyalty to him. Yeshua says, if you aren't willing to die for my name's sake, you're not worthy of being my disciple. That's part of counting the cost. So, again... You should ask yourself, what Roman in his or her right mind would ever choose to become a Yeshua follower? It didn't look like a wise choice. Everything in society was stacked against that option. So, why did they do it? Why did they choose that narrow path that leads to being socially ostracized and potentially martyred?
Let's look at this from a different perspective. Let me ask you, as Messianic youth and young adults, why are you religious? Why are you a Yeshua follower? Just for the sake of argument, let's suppose that you are. Here's the question. Why are you? There's several bad answers. Not wrong answers, bad answers. One, because my parents are religious. That answer only works so long as you are living in your parents' home and under their authority. If that's your answer, it means that you aren't necessarily religious yourself. You're just a good kid doing what's expected of you. Nothing wrong with that, but it's not faith. That's not my faith, my choice. That's your parents' faith. Number two, because I don't want to go to hell. That answer only works if you already believe that you are going to hell. So it's circular logic. Why are you religious? Because you're afraid of hell. And why are you afraid of hell? Because you're religious. Besides, in this religion, we have a completely different understanding of heaven and hell than the church. So fear of hell is not a good reason to be part of this religion. Fear of damnation is not my faith, my choice. That's being forced by fear to choose. Number three, because I believe the Bible. I admit I like that answer better, but it's not a great answer either. It's circular reasoning again. Why do you believe the Bible? Because your religion teaches that the Bible is true. Why do you believe your religion? Because the Bible teaches that your religion is true. That's not my faith, my choice. That's just being stuck in a logical loop. Number four, because it's what my peers in my social circle believe, all my friends. That answer will keep you religious only so long as your social circle doesn't change, your peer group doesn't change, or your peers themselves don't change their convictions. You leave the sheltered world of Messianic Judaism, perhaps go to school or start a job, begin to interact with the rest of the world, and there goes your religion. That's not my faith, my choice. It's my friends, my choice. It's more about doing what others around you are doing and believing what others around you believe. Number five, because I've never thought about it at all. That answer is both the most honest answer and the worst answer. Most people have never really done the work of thinking about life, the universe, and everything, and figuring out why they belong to this religion or that religion or to no religion at all. They've never asked themselves the hard questions. For most people, it's not my faith, my choice, because those words imply that you've thought it through and made a decision. In reality, most people are just going with the flow. Our objective this weekend is to get you to think about it. Reason through these questions and answer the question for yourself. If my teaching today accomplishes nothing else, if this weekend accomplishes nothing else, then to get you to ask yourself, what do I really believe and why? That's good enough. We've done our job. God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and truth. To get to spirit and truth, you need to own the faith yourself. 
He's not looking for people who will worship him because their parents do, or because they're afraid of hell, or because the Bible says so, or because that's what their friends do, or because they've never thought about it at all. He's looking for people who make the choice, the personal choice, to commit to this path of discipleship, personal transformation, and allegiance to Yeshua. When I was a teenager, my father wanted me to get baptized. He was concerned about my salvation and stuff. But I kept putting off being baptized because I thought, perhaps I don't want to be a disciple. Perhaps I want to be a secular person. But then, one day, I had a realization that changed my perspective. I realized that I exist. And so does the world around me. Which implies the existence of a creator, which is not me. And I realized that if this creator exists he must necessarily be greater than the whole universe since he created it. If so, there can be no higher purpose or meaningful path in life than to seek him out and to give myself to him completely since he is my creator. It's simple logic. And if it turns out that he says there is a right way and a wrong way, that there is a good and an evil, then I no longer really have a choice in those things. It's already been decided. Of course, I could still make the wrong choice, but it's not like choosing between two equally good options. There was a right choice and a wrong choice. That's my point by comparing the theme of the conference with the pro-choice slogan. These are not real choices. My faith, my choice, is not a real choice if the faith is actually true. My body, my choice, is not a real choice if the baby has a body too. The pro-choice advocate who says, my body, my choice, when considering whether or not to abort a baby, is not choosing between two equally valid alternatives. It's not only your body, it's also the baby's body. That means it's not only your choice. The choice has already been made by the creator of life. As it says in the Torah, I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life. Choose the life of the child, not the death of the child. Likewise, the person considering discipleship to Yeshua has a choice to make. The narrow path that leads to life or the broad road that leads to destruction. Those are not equally valid options. Choose life. The slogan, my body, my choice, ignores the obvious fact that there's more at stake than the mother's body. There is also the baby's body for whom the mother is responsible. The baby that completely depends upon the mother for life. So there's really not a choice here. Not if you have concern for the baby. Likewise, the slogan, my faith, my choice, ignores the fact that there is more at stake than just your own personal preferences. It ignores the fact that you have been entrusted with a pure and undying spirit, a spiritual being that resides within you, a spark of the life of Hashem within you that has been entrusted to your care like a precious treasure. And you are responsible to take care of that spirit and return it to its owner for eternal life. Before you were born, while you were still an embryo in your mother's womb, God breathed your spirit into your body and entrusted you with its safety. It's your job to return it to him for eternal life. 
and only Yeshua of Nazareth has the words of eternal life. So there's really not a choice here, not if you have concern for the God-breathed spirit within you. There's an old adage, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. I urge you, as you consider your future and the choices ahead of you, don't throw out your neshama. I hope that as you consider your faith, you will make the choice to follow Yeshua through the rest of your life. I'm not asking you to adopt a Jewish life. I'm asking you to adopt a Yeshua life. Make the choice to be his disciple, not in name only, not in ceremony and ritual only, but to really commit yourself to the paths of discipleship and allegiance to him. Yes, the cost is high. Of course it is. It's enormously high because you get what you pay for. The cost is extremely high. It costs you the world. But what does it profit a person if he has the whole world and everything it has to offer, but he loses his soul? Yes, the sexual boundaries are shockingly narrow. Yes, the world will call you a misanthropist. The world will call you immoral according to its own twisted definitions of morality. But if God is real and his word is true, the choice is obvious. Every day of our lives, we have a decision to make. The way of life or the other way. It's your choice. No one makes this choice for you. It's between you and Hashem. Find rest for your soul